I'm Christian Ramirez, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast. I'm Steve McPherson, and I'm here with the one and only Cal Williams. Cal, today I would like to know, what is the best gift you've ever given, and what's the best gift you've ever received? Wow. I'm going um, right to the hard stuff. Jeez. You have to give me a second here. That's... I understand. Would you like me to start by talking you about... Okay, yours, yes, okay. Yeah. I was worried that... When, I didn't. I don't like to prep you too much because I like no, to catch you I, off guard. I, I just... I, that, that's a really... Uh, <laughs> you have to make my mind work right now, Steve. That's just simply not within this agreement. All right, you, you, th- you think while I'm explaining my <laughs> okay. two that I thought of today. Okay, so, so one was uh, my wife... Uh, is she's now a nurse practitioner. She graduated nursing school uh, and she had a lot of friends who were in nursing school, but as people got jobs, they began to move away. So some people would leave. And so this was a couple years after nursing school was done and she was, we were getting ready to throw her a party, a birthday party. And there was just a lot of people who weren't going to be there or weren't going to make it. And I know that kind of weighed on her a little bit. So I thought, you know, this, what I'll do is I'll have people call up and leave a happy birthday voicemail. I had a, a number. It was a Google, a Google voicemail number at the time. Mm-hmm. Had people call up, and I just got, you know, a bunch of her friends to call in, and they each left a message uh, just saying sort of happy birthday. And then I just all put them into, like, a, a, a one track. Like, I mixed them into a CD track, basically. I was like, here you go. And she started listening to it, and she just started weeping. <laughs> <laughs> and that was what I was like. Oh, that was that was good. So mm-hmm. I think that was probably one of the better gifts, uh, which I think she still has the CD, even though no one has CD players anymore. <laughs> um, I think that was probably the, the best gift I've, I've given. Mm-hmm. On the reception end, now this is not something that moved me to tears, uh, but I was thinking about how in your life there's sort of the perfect time of life where you really appreciate presence uh, around your birthday or something, mm-hmm. but you don't demand them. You know, there's like when you're a kid, you don't know when you're first a little kid, you get things for your birthday. You don't know why you're getting them. Right? Sure. Then you begin to understand it and you begin to get greedy. You turn into a greedy little child who just wants, you know, my little ponies or transformers or whatever you might you want growing up. And then we don't get it. You get unhappy. And then later on in life, you're like, I don't care. Don't get me anything. I don't, I, you know, you begin to get to that point where, where I'm at now where when Christmas rolls around and I get socks, I'm like, yes, I need socks, which is kind of sad that that's where I am right now. <laughs> but uh, when I was a, a sophomore in college, uh, I feel like this was the perfect inflection point where what I wanted, I had n- no real means of making my own money at the time because I was a useless college student. Uh, and what I wanted was this box set that had just come out of Miles Davis and Gil Evans box set. Remember box sets? They were nice CDs. You would get like a booklet <laughs> and it was yeah. a packaging and all that. So I wanted this Miles Davis and Gil Evans box set that was really nice. And I got it. My parents got it for me. That was sort of my, you know, my birthday present. And I just remember having this sort of deep, calm 
appreciation for it mm. that I could not have afforded it. My, I mean, I could have saved up and bought it myself, but, uh, you know, I was sort of, it, my birthday's in the fall, so I had sort of already spent most of the money I had made over the summer, like, getting ready for college and things mm-hmm. like that. So I was, you know, I was like, I didn't have it. So I got that, that box set. And I just remember, A, loving that box set and then feeling like, real appreciation that my my parents had given it to me and it was that perfect level of i knew what i wanted mm-hmm. and i got it and i appreciated it and i didn't want more like that's what i wanted right. and i feel like that's that's the ideal of of gift reception so have i given you enough time to think about uh, what might work for you yeah um so i think um in, in terms of uh when gifts have been given to me i'm a big believer of um you know having things that you that you need but also, I'm, I'm a humongous believer in, in experiences. Um, so I remember, um, I think I was about 16, maybe, um, maybe 17. Um, and uh, we had all, uh, we as in the people in, in England had all heard about um, Oasis potentially splitting up. Ah, and, yes, and that okay. was, it was the, the tour they were doing was going to be their last tour. And my mom and dad surprised me by getting myself and a really good friend of mine uh, two tickets to go and see them ah. uh, in uh, in a town called Coventry, um, uh, which is uh, at Coventry City Stadium, which is, of course, where Adrian Heath used to manage for a short time. Um, and that, that was an unbelievable experience, seeing... Seeing Oasis live, um, you know, I'm an absolutely staunch Oasis fan. So the whole yeah. Wonderwall thing here has been unbelievable for yeah. someone like myself. Um, so that that was certainly one that, that that was up there. The other one is the watch that I'm wearing now. Um, my my fiance got me this uh, Armani watch um, for my birthday when uh, how was I? How old was I? I think I was turning 24 or 25. Um, and um, I, before this, I was never a watch wearer. I'm not mm-hmm. a fan of, of of wearing jewelry and stuff like sure. that. I just I've never done it. And um, you know, if I want to look at the time, I'll just pull my phone out. You know, it's, sure, yes. But um, yeah, ever since that, um, I will always always wear this uh, this lovely little watch. And um, yeah, that's uh, it. Always reminds me of her as well, which is yeah. lovely. So. Um, so yeah, that's that's certainly up there as well. In terms of gifts I've given Steve, I, I don't really know if it's if it's a gift, but I'll go with it anyway. The so there's, the, no, there's no rules in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so the the day that I proposed to um, my fiance Stacy, um, I had sort of planned a little sort of uh, surprise party afterwards, um, and it was it was quite it was crazy. It was it was like a scene from a movie because. We were sitting down at dinner, and I arranged for, you know, thirty of her closest friends and family or whatever to meet us in the bar of the restaurant where I was about to propose to her. Mm-hmm. And as we're sitting down to dinner, she's facing me, and there's a brick wall behind me or whatever. Uh, as I'm facing her, I can see the entirety of the restaurant, and I can see her family and her friends, all of them, slowly ninja behind her. <laughs> over to the bar and I'm thinking oh god please don't look around please don't turn yeah. around please don't because it, the gig would have been up yes so anyway I got down on one knee and you know thankfully she said yes and all that kind of stuff um, and then I said hold on one second and I went into the bar and said guys gave a thumbs up <laughs> and, <laughs> it went alright <laughs> and I said you know come with me come with me and so we walked towards her um, and I would love to have seen the image that she would have seen 
It would have been me walking towards her with all of her friends and family behind her, and she just burst into tears. <laughs> <Like> just... <laughs> so you kind of think, okay, this, this, this went well. Yes, yes. That, that tiered approach is very good to the proposal where it's, you know, you sort of don't realize the second element of having the friends and when When the tears start, so, um, start flowing, yeah. I thought to myself, oh, God. Yeah, oh, for a no. second, you're like, you're panicked. <laughs> I, the same thing happened to me. The, the story I was telling earlier, she started crying. I was like, wait, did I mess up? Yeah. <laughs> Horribly. Which is a, a legit possibility most of the time. So, um, so... Good story. That's good. We should talk wedding proposal uh, stories at some point. But mm. but for now, let's move on to actual soccer. Uh, a tough game against uh, Sporting Kansas City last night. Uh, why don't you just give me a couple of your takeaways from, from what you saw out there? Not good enough. Okay. Simply not good enough, Steve. Um, going somewhere like Kansas City, as everybody has alluded to, is very, very difficult. They are a good team. They have been identified as one of the elite of Major League Soccer for some time now. The reason for me why it's not good enough is because when you look at their front line, it wasn't their their regular uh, front three. Right. Um, I'm a fan of Daniel Shallowy, who scored the first goal for them. Lovely goal as well, by the way. Um, you know, he, he came over as an exchange student in 2014 and became a part of their academy and everything. And he, he's one for the future, for sure. I, I, I'm, I think we're now starting to see him develop into a fine young player. Um, Is that, that's also true of Cousin, who scored. Yep. That yep. He was, he, mm-hmm. I mean, he was in Illinois, I think, or something like that. Illinois, so he, yep. So he's homegrown, but his, his parents were from Ma- Malaysia. Yes, his uh, parents yeah, are so, from Malaysia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. So, um, but <sighs> lovely goal from Charlotte. The rest of them, though, I think, are firmly avoidable. Mm-hmm. We, again, we, we, we keep talking about this on, on this podcast. There is such a glaring need for a holding midfielder. Mm-hmm. The, um, if you look at the other goals that Kansas City scored, every pass comes from just ahead of the 18-yard box, where a holding midfielder should be and should be protecting the back line. Mm-hmm. Now, Adrian obviously identified this after conceding the, the three goals and brought Maximiano on, um, and, and Gomez had a, a woeful 45 minutes or whatever it was. Um, Maximiano came in, and it changed the formation tweaks slightly into more of a 4-3-3, which, to be honest, I thought Adrian was going to go with anyway. Right. Um, being in Kansas City, pack out that midfield, box in, try and get as, as much of the ball as you can, retain it as, as long as you can. Um so I, I, was, um, I wasn't surprised because Adrian's he, he believes in this system, as he should do, and, and the system that he implements in, in all of his teams has been absolutely tremendous. Um, but I do think Kansas City is one of those, those games where you perhaps need to adapt slightly. Um, so when Maximiano came on, I thought to myself, OK, well, things will at least be a little more uh, subdued now and, and from a Kansas City attacking point of view, and um, Minnesota will perhaps keep hold of the ball a little more. Then Maximiano goes and gets himself sent off. Right. They did look good at the start before Maximiano went off. I felt like they, you know, that that change did seem to help. Although obviously Maximiano is a little too little too aggressive with the with the uh, Just two, tackles there. So. Two two mistimed challenges, silly. Um, again, not not good enough in my opinion, Steve. Um, yeah. And then um, the one thing I will say, the one positive I thought was obviously Tyron Mears's first goal for the club uh, yeah. absolute <laughs> rocket um, that came out of absolutely nowhere didn't it that um, was kind of amazing great so, goal 
not film. not really expecting. And that was I had looked down. You know, I had not. Uh, you know, I was. I'm usually watching the game at home. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it, it's true when there are home matches as well. But I'll have my computer out and I'll be taking notes mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. And so I had just been writing down a note of something. And then I hear the reaction. I look up, and it's like people are hugging Tyrone Mears. I was like, "What did he do?" You know, like <laughs> I was like, well, "How is he involved in this?" Yep, and then I was yep. like, "Oh, he just <laughs> shot mm. that. That was amazing. It's so. fantastic from that sort of range." What I will say, like it moves all over the place. It swerves. I think a goalkeeper of Tim Melia's caliber should still save that. Yeah, but yeah, um, such was the the veracity of the strike. It moved all over the place. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, Tyrone Mears will, will absolutely take that. He doesn't score many goals. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if he uh, if he has one of them every couple of years, I'm sure he'll be delighted with it. So yeah. um, it was it was lovely. Yeah. That that was the positive I took from it. Um, I thought Coleman looked looked okay. Uh, That's what I was going to say. I thought that was one positive. Like I I mean I know it was a, a difficult defensive outing. I didn't really I wouldn't really fault Brent in that role. I think there was a lot more of a breakdown ahead of him. I thought when he was called upon, you know, he had a he had a, he had a, he had two back to back. Blocks or, or yep. interceptions, sort of like clearing something out where he dropped, got it out of there, got back up, stopped another one. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, even if it wasn't, you know, spectacular in some ways, I felt like it definitely indicated that he was going to be able to step in for Calvo uh, on that back line. And, and it's in good hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that back line is in good hands, even if the defense is still somewhat questionable right now. I, I think I saw earlier um, the day after the game, people um, were, again, the pitchforks were out for the back line, and, sure. I, and I thought unfairly in my opinion. Yeah, because, absolutely. As I said, um, e- even if you look at, um, at at where the fourth goal came from, yeah, I know the 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 goal came from Rubio, who was inside the box, and the angle um, was tight, but he still managed to squeeze it in. Lovely goal. But look at where it comes from. Look at where the player was running from. It's on the the top of the eighteen yard box against Steve. Yeah. To me, that this this is an, an obvious need for this team. Um, I'm not the only one who who knows this. Adrian knows this. Yeah. Um, you know they'll they'll hopefully address this in the summer window. Um, look, it's it, it's an obvious need for this team now, and and um, I'm intrigued to see what they do about it. Yeah. Let me ask you a question about formations because this is a thing that comes up a lot. You know, and Adrian talked about leading into the the match that, and I believe you talked with him about it that that four three three for mm-hmm. SKC is that's what they do. Yes. They change personnel, but this is how they do it. Yes. Um, it's it, they play aggressively. Their fullbacks push up. There's a lot of pressing. It's obviously a high risk. It's sort of a high risk idea, except that you know that SKC knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, they know how to play their game, especially at home. Um, and people want a different. You know, people want Minnesota United to have you know anything from in reaction to a specific matchup. They'll ask. They'll talk about a different formation, or just say they don't think the you know the the four two three one is is working. Generally speaking. Even though, as you said, we've seen Adrian have success with it, mm-hmm. and you know, to what extent is it you want the formation to, for a coach? You have an idea of how you want the game to be played, yep, and you want to train your guys to play the game that way. In some ways, wouldn't doesn't it hinder things to react in real time to an individual matchup where you're changing things? And then you want them, then the next week they go back to a different formation. Then you change it. You can't just change the formation every week simply to play to the other team's strengths. Because, again, SKC is not changing their formation. They're like, this is how we play, and we know how to play like that. Is that what Adrian is hoping for? I guess is my ultimate question, is that he'll get the right combination of the right personnel Mm -hmm. and then train them in the right way such that the 4-2-3-1 is going to work because that's what he knows how to do. That's what he knows how to, like, plan for. I think... um 
a lot of it comes down to the ability of the players as well, Steve. Sure. It really does. Um, and that's not throwing anybody under the bus there. But um, with, with Adrian going into Kansas City, playing this 4-2-3-1, as, as we've alluded to, he always does. Um, the, the main aim here is to get the ball to the wide players and to get the ball to Darwin Quintero because mm -hmm. they play uh, what we call in between the lines. Right. Um, Which so they did somewhat successfully. I felt like early on you saw... I mean, the, the, you know, the again, he alluded to this in the, in the post-match that the, the final ball wasn't there. But mm -hmm. you saw guys like Quintero, you know, getting the ball and then being able to move up the field between yep. the lines. Like, some mm -hmm. of that seemed like it was working. Yep. Between the midfield line and the and defensive line. Yeah. I was wondering if they were a little confused about what we're saying. But, um, sure. You know. <laughs> no um, visual assistance here on the podcast. <laughs> uh, purely for educational purposes. <laughs> that's why we're here, right? Um, <laughs> so, um, it, it's... Um, I, I, I agree. Look, I thought it worked quite well um, in the opening couple of minutes, but then, as I said, you know, Shallowy is able to wriggle away, and on the edge of the 18-yard box, he's got plenty of space and takes the shot straight away, and mm -hmm. you know, it flies into the into the corner. Um, I think um, I, I know what you're saying that you know, adapting um, in the moment is is difficult. It's not ideal. And that's why not a lot of teams do it unless they absolutely need to. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it's all, um, it's, it, it's really like a, like a chess game, really, if you will. You know, you, your coach is waiting to see if the other coach is going to do something and you've got right. to react to that or, yeah. or vice versa, you know. So yeah. um, the 4-2-3-1 formation has, has been fabulous for Adrian Heath. It really has. And, and as I said, I, I will never forget his Orlando City side um, in USL. They were absolutely blistering. And um, could have easily played in Major League Soccer that 2013-2014 uh, that campaign. They were wonderful. So mm -hmm. um, it's, um, it, it's going to be interesting moving forward to see what happens. I don't think anything's going to change in terms of the, the shape. Uh, you may see one or two tweaks here and there. Um, you know, when they go away to, to the likes, um, you know, coming up. I know we, we obviously have games in, uh, in, in Houston and, and Vancouver, sure. Rail Salt Lake. These are... These are uh, Places and, and, and at teams where you, you need to get results if you are going to be in the postseason. So um, it's all going to be interesting. Got a, got a really intriguing couple of months coming up for Minnesota United for sure. Yeah. Well, Cal, let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the U.S. Open match coming up uh, mm -hmm. uh, with FC Cincinnati. Um, one one benefit of this, I think, for the team is that I am going to learn how to spell Cincinnati finally. Because <laughs> I just tend to start throwing N's and C's and T's, T's at yep. it until, some, <laughs> until something works. Um, it, it's it's a sort of a tough spot, I think, for the Loons because they're already missing Calvo. Um, they're going to go to the, this Open Cup game, which, you know, imagine if they had Calvo, this is a good chance to get Brent Coleman some minutes, yep. right? But instead, Brent Coleman just played, you know, the full 90, right? So uh, they go to this Open Cup game three days after their last MLS game before a break. Uh, and Adrian talks a lot about needing to get guys who aren't getting minutes to get minutes in actual match situations to help mm -hmm. match fitness, which will help depth. Um and I, I don't think it's that, that the team doesn't want to be – they want to compete every time they go out there. You yep. want to win every game you play. But I'm wondering if in some ways it doesn't, it doesn't benefit the team a little more to get minutes right now for guys like Almsberg, Toy, Manley, Martin, Warner, like mm -hmm. those guys, that, that that might pay more dividends in MLS than saying like, okay, we're just going to throw everything, the normal starters out there on short rest to play this Open Cup game. I mean, what, what's your opinion on that? The, the only thing I'll say, Steve, usually I would absolutely agree with you and say, yeah, this is a tremendous opportunity to give some of those players minutes. And look, I, I still think some of them will. Not yes. all of them, but I still think yeah. uh, you know, 
know, two, maybe three of them will get an opportunity. But you haven't got a game for two weeks after this. So, in, yeah, that's in, true. in my opinion, if I'm Adrian Heath, I'm going with a very strong 11. Um, I, I wouldn't, you know... Say, for example, uh, Ibsen and Mears, you know, 34, 35 years okay, of age. I'd probably, sure. I'd probably say to them, look, you guys go home, have a rest. Yeah. You, you've got to really watch your, your minutes and, and how you manage those minutes with, with players at that age. Um, I'd, I'd still go with Shuttleworth in goal. There's no need to change that, in my sure. opinion. Um, I'd, I'd go as strong as you can at the back as well. Um, you know, do, do you bring Carter Manley in and, and have him on the right-hand side? And then you have uh, Eric Miller on the left with... Uh, I'd still keep Boxall and Coleman in the centre. I really would. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it becomes uh, interesting then because obviously Shula's away with the Finnish national team. Right. So this is where I'm saying I think there'll be an opportunity for one or two to come in and make their mark. Then, sure. you know, does Colin Martin come in? Does Colin Warner come in? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then the front or some line, other guy named Colin who they. Yeah, <laughs> another Colin somewhere. If you named Colin, you may get a game from Minnesota United. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Um, having said that, though, Colin and Colin. They spell it, and it sounds slightly different. Are you pronouncing them slightly differently? Colin and Colin. The second one is Martin. Yes. First one is Warner. Colin Warner, I can hear it. This is why you're a pro. This is why you're a pro. (laughs) Um, But, look, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, You know, do do you give Abu Dhanladi his first opportunity for a while? You know, I mean, um, there's plenty of of theories. There's plenty of options that you can go with. Um, I think... In, in, if this was uh, last year, if this was in the regular season where there's no World Cup break or whatever, if I was Adrian Heath, I would say, look, with all due respect, we need to get in the playoffs. We need yeah. to get into the postseason. Yeah. So this yes. game, in my opinion, of course we want to win it, right. but we'll give some of the, the so-called fringe players an opportunity. Yeah. I think now because we have the two-week break, he will give one or two fringe players an opportunity but I would still expect a, a strong Minnesota United lineup. Yeah. Do you think that that would change at all? If they had managed to take a point in Kansas City, like let's say they played a great match and they, they, they drew. Like mm-hmm. I'm not as optimistic to think that they could go necessarily – could have gone in and won sure. at, at Kansas City. But let's say they drew and they played a good match. Do you think there's any sense in which – he might also feel like players are want that immediate chance to to, to get because I'm sure the players didn't come out of that match feeling good. Mm-hmm. You know, like given that there is a break, it, in some ways could this be a chance for some of those players to say we're going to finish we're going to finish strong Absolutely. before this break, and so they'll be motivated to to, to really go out there against Cincinnati. Absolutely, um, that's a very good point, Steve. Um, we all know what Darwin Quintero is like as a character. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Adrian was thinking about resting him against Cincinnati, but Darwin has gone up to him afterwards and said, no, coach, yeah. I want to play. I really want to play in this game and I want to finish strong. So, look, as, as I said, there's plenty of theories that we can we can go about. Um, there's, there's plenty um, of discussions you, you can have in terms of who you're going to start. But mm-hmm. ultimately, Adrian Heath and his coaching staff would like to win this game in Cincinnati. Yeah. But you also have to remember that the playoffs are a priority for this franchise. Right, that moment, has to be they should be. Yes, absolutely. Um, but... And, and, and it's difficult in this league because you, you are you are restricted by the salary cap. The, the, I always compare this league to, to the championship in England, the second division. Mm-hmm. The only reason I would say, one, one of two main reasons why I say the championship is, is just that bit better is because the rosters are larger, because there is no salary cap. Right. I'm not saying we should give, get rid of the salary cap because, no, we, we still have the old NESL Wentz and, and, and even the current NASL. Yeah. Um, you, you have to manage it. Um, but 
Um, I still think that, that Tuesday, um, or Wednesday, sorry, is, is, is a real opportunity uh, for, for one or two fringe players to come in and, and really give Adrian Heath a thing or two to think about over this World Cup break. Yeah. Do you think there's any added uh, oomph to it, knowing that Cincinnati is coming into MLS? Uh, like, oh, absolutely. Sort of sense be, like yeah. you, you, you yep. want to kind of show them oh, <laughs> who's yeah, been they, here a little bit? I was going to say, yeah, you want to come and play against us on a regular basis. Right. right. Well, this is how you play. Right. Yeah, exactly. Of course there is. And what I will say as well, Steve, it's going to be Cincinnati's first home game since that announcement. Yeah. So that place it's is going to be, be rocking. Rock. Oh, man, yeah. There's going to be, I would imagine, 30,000 plus again, as there always seems to be at Nippert Stadium. Yeah. Um, those players are going to want to put on a show. Uh, I think that franchise will realize it's an opportunity to show people what what to expect next year. Yeah. Uh, against an MLS outfit, um, who I think they will fancy their chances against, being at home, yeah. having a huge crowd behind them. Um We'll wait and see. It could be yeah. interesting. <laughs> I think it's gonna be a pretty fun, fun matchup. So it'll be great. Um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna miss you uh, for the next couple of weeks as you're gonna be uh, away on break along as, as the team takes a little break for the World yep. Cup. Um, so Kyle, I thought we'd talk a little bit about the World Cup. Uh, oh, absolutely. So it, who do you like? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you support England, but I'm sure you know how that ends up. So. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I mean, look, as long as we avoid penalty kicks, then we'll, we'll be okay. Um, Aside from oh. your your home country. Um, look, I mean, obviously you, you always mentioned the, the, um, this generational powerhouse, which I think is, is Germany nowadays. You can't, you can't look away from them. Um, I, I saw, I saw on, um, I, I saw on Monday morning, that they they have opted to um, to not take uh, Leroy Sane, um, just a terrific winger for Manchester City, and mm-hmm. his his productivity hasn't particularly been great this year, but he's still absolutely wonderful, and and you, you know they paid an awful lot of money for him from from Schalke Nilfair, and I remember commentating on, on a. A uh, Bundesliga game uh, a couple of years ago when he was playing, and he was absolutely sensational. Mm-hmm. It just shows how strong that German side is, the fact that they're not taking him. On a very similar subject, the same has to be said for France as well. No Alexander Lacazette, who, again, his productivity was was questionable his first year at Arsenal. Uh, No Anthony Martial, again, uh, a tremendous player who um, who, who I thought was a shoo-in, no problem at all. There were so many players that, that um, that have not been taken um, in in these uh, you know the so-called favourites in the mm-hmm. rosters, they there are so many that haven't been taken. Um, I'm really intrigued to see this World Cup, and um, what, what I'm excited about, Steve, as well is, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm going back to to England for a little bit just during the, the MLS break, and I'm looking forward to you know because I haven't I haven't seen a, a World Cup in my home country, you know, viewing a World Cup in my home country for for a couple of years now. Sure, yeah. The last one I was in the US, um, the 2014 World Cup in, in Kansas City, I was watching it, and uh, it was great. You know, but I'm I'm excited to go uh, and, and and watch an England game. I, I'm there for the opening England game against Tunisia, so I'm going to go to my my local pub with all nice. my friends, and and you know, I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be good. But I'm also looking forward to to again seeing a World Cup in the Twin Cities. I, I know the United States aren't in it, but 
I, I don't think it matters in a city like this where it's yeah. multicultural and there's, there's so many people from all over the world here. Um, I'm really excited to see what a World Cup looks like in the Twin Cities. I, I can only imagine, and the stories that I've heard, it, it's going to be sensational. Yeah, I think the experience of uh, getting together to watch really important games uh, and, and big games with other people, not necessarily at this. I mean, going to the stadium is amazing. We talk about the yes. stadium atmosphere and, and how good the atmosphere is right now and how, how big it's going to be at, at Allianz Field and everything like that. But there's also just getting together with people in a bar and then, you know, it, it's not necessarily, you might not start focused on the game, but if it's a good tight game mm-hmm. going, going down the stretch, everybody gets into it. Like, Absolutely. and that's, yeah. that's a super fun thing to see. I'm really excited to go to, go to some watch parties here in mm-hmm. the twin cities. Um, I, I think, I think we're going to be at, you know, we're going to have some kind of presence at some of them. Um, oh. so I'm looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really favorite. What that's gonna be really fun. What, um, we talked a little bit about favorites, powerhouses, uh, France, Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any, any dark horse teams and any teams you think that they're in groups where they could, uh, maybe surprise and come out of a group and then, and then, and then, you know, present a challenge at the next, at the next round. Egypt. Yeah. Egypt could be really interesting. And I know people will instantly say, Oh, it's only because of Mo Salah. Um, well in large portion, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty good. He's not bad, um, <laughs> but they have some of the decent players around him as well. The supporting cast for Mo Salah, um, have, have been quite interesting to watch, um, mm. with Egypt and, um, I, I think the group that they are in um, with Saudi Arabia and, and Russia, um, you know, and, and, and I, I think that Egypt could could very well finish second in their group. I, mm-hmm. I really do. Um, you know, I, I don't think um, people will call me crazy for saying I think Costa Rica will get out of their group as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th- I think Brazil will finish top of that group. Um, but then that second spot, in my opinion, will, will be between Switzerland and Costa Rica. Not discounting Serbia, because they're a decent outfit as well, but sure. I, I think Costa Rica could um, could do well, and and, and uh, I, don't, I don't think they'll match their ambition, as Francisco Calvo told us last week, of, of getting to the semi-final and, and, and going one better than last year, if they do, all for it, but I, I can't see it. Um, it's a difficult path for them. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Costa Rica could be, um, could be one to watch as well. You know, you always talk about other... Um, other teams that that are, are very unfamiliar to a lot of people as well, like uh, a lot of the Asian teams tend to do quite well as well. Like Japan, Japan always seem to do okay. They always mm-hmm. seem to to get out the group or, or or at least pose a challenge in their particular group. So, you know, I, I'm not I'm not saying that Japan will go far, but I I think they're always interesting to watch. The good yeah. team, the J League over in Japan's a good league, so uh, the majority of their players are coming from that league and. Um, I'm not convinced it's as strong as MLS, but it's it's a good league, so I, I would expect them to to do well. Um, and then it just comes down to to what defines a good World Cup for a lot of these these nations. Um, sure. But I mean, I'm just excited, Steve. This this is the biggest yeah. event that sport has to offer in the world, and I'm just I, I love this time of, of of year. Every four years, I, it's so exciting, and the um, we're, we're quite lucky actually in this country where a lot of the games are going to be at. 9, 10, 11 a.m. I think the latest one is at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. Sure. Uh, the earliest is, there's only one really early game, which is 5 a.m., which is Australia against France. It's pretty early. Um, so I, I can't imagine there'll be many people <laughs> right. up, up for I'm that I'm not going to be the pub for that one. No, but um, what, what, I, what I mean by this and, and why I say we're quite lucky with those times is because people get up for football in this country at that time anyway. Right, they're accustomed so to it. So it, it's yeah. not like it's going to be, um, you know, a grueling escapade or anything. You know, it's yeah. going to be 
uh, wandering in, into normality for a lot of people. So yeah. um, we'll be able to watch at the office. You know? Absolutely, so. yeah, absolutely, we, we will. And, and I'm looking. One of the benefits of working for for a, for soccer, a, team, for a yeah. soccer team is you like they, he's like, oh, there's a match on. We're gonna we're gonna put it on. Absolutely, so. as it should be. There should be football on all, all over the place in in this office, in my opinion. But can't wait. Um, you know, I, I another country I would always say keep an eye out for is uh, Australia as well. They're mm-hmm. um, you know again I don't think they're gonna set the world alight but the, the group they're in they have France which I'm, I think France will finish top of their group but then they go up against Denmark so Denmark and Australia you know there's not too much difference I, sure I, I wonder do, do they creep out of their group yeah. as well but um, from an England point of view um, look I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, you basically just said it right there <laughs> I, think, I think we'll get out of our group if we don't then <laughs> yeah right uh, and I mean that with all due respect um <laughs> I, I just, um, but Belgium, Belgium are a really good team. Yeah, and and I look, I personally think Belgium will finish top of the group. Yeah, um, Panama, uh, <laughs> um, you know, they're a, a, a team the US is is more than familiar with. They they have they have a couple of good individuals who could cause problems. Mm-hmm. Um, Tunisia, I I don't foresee an issue with at all. But I mean, look, the the biggest one of the biggest problems with England is that. Under, we've underestimated opponents before in the past. Sure. Yeah. I, I will instantly go back to the 2010 World Cup, and, and the headline in one of the national newspapers um, was was easy because it was England, Algeria, I think it was Slovenia or Slovakia, mm-hmm. and then Yanks. Yeah. Um, and we all know how that yeah. ended up. So um, don't get overconfident. I just yeah. <laughs> I, look, I mean, I'll be happy if England get out the group. Yeah. I, I would hope that we would. Get to the quarterfinals or so. Any more than that, then then I'm happy. You know, we, we are going through a, a transitional phase right now where a lot of the the younger players who played at Euro 2016, who were sort of on the fringes of the 2014 World Cup roster, didn't quite make it, or some of them that that did were very young. Mm-hmm. Those players have had tournament experience now. Sure. So I I would expect a little more from them this year moving moving forward and in, into the World Cup. So. Um, you know, Eric Dyer has, has come on leaps and bounds. He's tremendous for Tottenham. Mm-hmm. Excited to see Raheem Sterling, what he can do. Sure. Harry Kane s- seems to score goals, but wherever he goes, whatever stadium he plays at, he, s- he seems to score. Um, the issue for England is, is, is what happens with the back line. You know, do we go with five at the back? Do we go with four? Right. I, I don't know. These are all questions that are going to be answered over the next couple, yeah. of, couple yeah. of weeks, and I cannot wait. Yeah, yeah. Well, as, since the U.S. is not in it, I am I'm all in on uh, Nigeria because okay. of their, their, their kits. Oh, they're are glorious, aren't they? Fantastic. <laughs> they, they sold out in like three minutes, I didn't they? I know. I had it open, you know, and I didn't. I wasn't like up on it, and yeah. then I, I, I refreshed it. It was like it sold out. So yeah. I want that jacket that has like the floral mm-hmm. on it, and then the kit is lovely also. So I'm, you know, every World Cup, I feel like there's that 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 team or that you know that 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 country that grabs the imagination. Yes. Especially if you're in the U.S. and you're not rooting for the U.S. And I right now I'm I'm putting my money. I, you know I don't know how well they'll do, but Nigeria's going to look good doing it, whatever yep. they do. Yep. So. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for joining us for the 14th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United is now on a break from MLS action, but will travel to Ohio to face future MLS squad FC Cincinnati at Nippert Stadium on Wednesday, June 6th. Happy birthday to my dad. At (laughs) 6.30 p.m., that match will be streamed on ussoccer.com, so you can follow along there. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating. That's the minimum rating I'm going to accept. Uh, You can follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com, and I'm at Steve Entress. 
And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>